Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work Podcast. This is episode 11. In today's episode, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be talking to Claire and we're going to be looking at how to work with women who are victims of sexual assault through trauma-sensitive yoga. So in the studio today, I have Claire. Uh, Claire has been practicing yoga since 1995. She's a certified trauma-sensitive yoga facilitator, a certified Iyengar yoga teacher, and has completed a number of certificates in yoga programs for children. Claire has been involved in working at Centres Against Sexual Assault since 2000. She began this association working as a counsellor slash advocate at Casa House, but her role in the field has now transformed into a role which provides support and healing to victims and survivors of trauma through yoga. Claire has delivered the yoga component of the body-based therapy program at West Casa since 2011 and at Casa House since 2017. She's also delivered programs in the northern and southeastern Casas uh, at Counterpoint Young Women's Refuge. Uh, in a voluntary capacity, Claire has also provided yoga classes within the Marambadong Detention Centre, the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre and the Y. YWCA Girls Story Program for Marginalised Young Women. Welcome to the Inside Social Work Podcast, Claire. Thanks, Marie. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about, you know, share with the audience some of your journey. So we've, you've worked a lot in um, women's sexual assault mm. and um, through the CASA centres. Can you tell us a bit about what is CASA and how you got involved with it? Yeah, sure. So... Um, just to clarify as well, the CASAs, the Centres Against Sexual Assault, um, do work with women and men who've been um, uh, impacted by sexual assault during their life. So um, the group work that I do, you're absolutely correct, at the moment is um, a women-only space as specified um, by the clients that I work with. But we, the CASAs, um, uh, there's 15 centres across Victoria and um, these are really specialised services providing uh, crisis support for people who've been recently sexually assaulted, but also uh, providing services for people w- where their sexual assault is historical, perhaps occurring in childhood or at any time during their life. Uh, so there's a team of counsellor advocates that provide that crisis work. There's a 24-hour on-call service, I think, in, in probably all of those 15 regional centres. Um, and also sort of through the day, nine to five during the week, there's counselling and advocacy provided uh, for people who access the service. Um, I, as you mentioned, um, as you were introducing me, I've, I've worked um, at Casa House, the, the centre which is in the CBD of Melbourne, uh, initially as a counsellor advocate many, many years ago. Um, I then went away and um, I was focusing on uh, my, my yoga teacher training. I was teaching yoga. I was still doing a little bit of, of work in, in, the, um, in the casas, did some work in some homeless women's services, etc. Uh, I've had these two parts of my life kind of coexisting. Um, and then in 2011, West Casa, which sort of provides those same services, but in the western region of Melbourne, contacted me. They, were, they had a body-based therapy program beginning and um, they'd been running it for a little while offering shiatsu and yoga and and knowing my background they wondered if I would like to be involved in it which was a really exciting moment and um, kind of a pivotal moment I guess in the work that I do because of course I was very excited to do that and to have the opportunity to bring these two uh, really important parts of my world to to meet. Um, So yeah does that answer? Yeah absolutely. (laughs) So what's 
What is trauma-sensitive yoga? So you're an Iyengar yoga teacher, which is how we met. You yep. I saw a flyer. So you're <laughs> trauma-sensitive yoga practice at my studio um, and got in touch. So Iyengar yoga is its own type of yoga. Yeah, yeah. How does that then fit in with the trauma-sensitive yoga? Or are they completely separate? Can you tell us yeah, a bit about Yeah, look, those? I would say they're completely separate. My, my background, my, as a practitioner, when I began practising, um, was in the Iyengar methodology. Um, and so then when I went to complete my teacher training, I, I've trained in that, in that, um, in that style of, of yoga. When I started to... I think it's important to know, particularly for, for you guys you know, and social workers, to know that even if you have your own... Um, a lot of people are really familiar with, with yoga these days, whether it's Iyengar or other, other types of yoga. There's so many types. That trauma-sensitive yoga is quite specific and is quite different to that. So as I've had this opportunity to offer yoga within a trauma context, um, I was really bringing along... Um, my knowledge and understanding about what the impacts of trauma actually are and, and modifying what I was doing in, the, in that setting, in that yoga studio, you know, in the space at West Casa uh, to make it appropriate and safe and available to the clients of West Casa. So having developed that program at Casa for a number of years and I realised there was a, um, a whole lot of work being done uh, concurrently in the States, particularly in Boston, over on the East Coast um, in the Trauma Centre, which is part of the um, JRIs over there. So they've got a really big focus on um, social justice and the Trauma Centre offered, obviously, specialised services to survivors of trauma. And um, they were developing a yoga program to go as an adjunctive therapy. So they had lots of resources and I was able to access them and sort of be in contact with the people running that program, tell them what I was doing. They were really encouraging and, and um, supportive of what I was doing. It was pretty much in line with what they were doing, which was very reassuring for me because they obviously, they're big. They've got lots of funding. They were doing a heap of research. They've got lots of resources, really very exciting to discover them. Um, and then I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to complete a certification in their um, trauma centre, trauma-sensitive yoga. And that just really, um, it fit perfectly with everything that I was doing. It gave me that association with them and their evidence-based approach to trauma delivering trauma-sensitive yoga. And it was a very, very thorough um, and solid uh, course to study as well. Yeah. So you mentioned um, the trauma-sensitive yoga was created by the trauma centre. Yeah. So is that the work that was done by, is it David Emerson? Yeah. So, so he's a social worker yeah. as well, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, do you know a little bit about how that kind of came about or any of yeah. the, the so, history of that? Yeah, yeah. So Bessel van der Kolk, which you know, some of your listeners are probably familiar with his work. He's a psychiatrist who was really, um, uh, I guess, instrumental in having PTSD recognised in the DSM and he and did a lot of his work with Vietnam vets in, in order to do that sort of the that's the background of, of that but he was he was um, principal um, employee at the trauma centre working with survivors of trauma had heard um, about or he I think personally had 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 found out that he had fairly poor um, heart rate variability. So he was really curious about this thing, heart rate variability and, and health. And he'd started to read that yoga was really good at improving heart rate variability. And the 
um, story goes that at that point, around about that point in time, Dave Emerson walks through the door, who was a social, ba- social worker by background and, and a yoga practitioner, um, came in and said, hey, I'm really interested in, you know, offering yoga for people who've experienced trauma. And it was just this kind of, again, pivotal moment and went, oh, great, let's do this. And so that was the, the background. And it was offered, as we do at CASA, again, was really exciting and, and interesting, the parallel, offering it within a service um, in conjunction with with talking therapies, you know, with other therapies. And Bessel van der Kolk talks about sort of the three, with, with patients that he might see, these three elements that can be offered to them and the, the exact balance of them would be different for each individual. But um, the, the talking therapy, uh, medication if necessary, and then really, really important as part of that, the body-based therapy that he, he in, um, there's a pretty well-established understanding that trauma is held in our body. So the way I see it is it's kind of this missing, it's been a bit of a missing link perhaps Mm -hmm. about our history in Western philosophy and psychology about that division of mind and body that that there's this element of it that we haven't been able to get to in survivors of trauma by ignoring the physical body. Yeah. It's so interesting you mentioned that because even the traditional talking therapies are often second priority for people because medication mm, is yeah is cheaper yeah um it's often quite easy to get so you can get yeah. your script you can take your meds yeah um so you're not working with the thoughts and the emotions yeah and then to add in that third component it, yeah. it's so helpful for people to see it as i mean the word holistic gets thrown around mm. in, often in negative ways like yes. you kind of think yeah. <laughs> there's not much research behind them but in in some ways it, it would make sense because yeah. what you've been through is often a physical experience that's as well right. that's right yeah. um and during your sessions like i had the privilege of joining one of them nobody has to talk they're not mm. talking about their feelings mm. that they're just everything they do is by invitation mm. and i found that really interesting having mm. done other types of yoga it's very different style yeah yeah it is very different and that's very um the thing with trauma sensitive yoga and particularly in the way that it is um, has been developed at the trauma center um, is that um, it is it's it is it's all invitational it's um, the the language but the language more, even more than just that invitational language all of the language used is very very intentional so there's certain words no Sanskrit words which you would know from your Iyengar practice you know there's a lot of Sanskrit and a lot of um, you know, yoga practices that have been brought over into the West. There's a lot of use of the Sanskrit and this, um, the, the, you know, the, the culture that goes along with it can be really triggering for people who... We don't know what, <laughs> what people bring into the room in a... Tra- we don't anyway, really, but particularly in a trauma-sensitive setting, what we do know is that they've got an experience of trauma. So our, my role as a facilitator is to minimise triggers. So, yes, it's invitational. It's an experience of um, being able to make choices which if we think about the experience of trauma, um, and particularly, you know, as my client group is, it's interpersonal trauma, it's often childhood trauma. So it's a, trauma generally is an experience of having all choice or control taken away. And so particularly in that complex trauma, this childhood trauma, that then um, can become a, the way that the brain is wired, basically. And for a lot of people that come along to trauma-sensitive yoga and they're suddenly given choice and control of the practice, find that really difficult. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to... I don't, I don't, I don't choose. You know, it's, it's really difficult. So there's choice um, in whether they move, how they move, um, 
there's no but it's guided choice it's not like you just choice. say just sit on the floor and, and yeah. do whatever like no it's, an invitation is offered yeah, and there's two or three options that's right or to continue doing what they were doing so that yes. they don't have to be stuck by there's too much choice I don't know what to do I'm going to do the wrong yeah, thing yeah exactly so they talk a lot about sort of um, a and b choices a b and c choices so yeah it's choosing this or that what a great way to learn how to make choices when it's sort of as you know if you, you think about often that that's something that comes into parenting you, mm. you, you you give a couple of choices and then there is that sense of control over over the situation and certainly this sense of control over one's body which is quite often what um, has been lost through through that through that uh, trauma of sexual violence one of the things you were talking about um, earlier before we started the recording was you know, often we hear uh, yoga being recommended to people to, you know, calm the mind and relax mm. and it's quite meditative. And mm. But if you have got an experience of trauma, that might feel quite triggering for you. So yeah. you mentioned that some people then go into those classes thinking, oh, cool, this has been recommended to be really helpful. Yeah. And perhaps the practitioner didn't know their history or something, yeah. something kind of didn't quite fit and they've actually left feeling more defeated. Yes. So how does that... Why is that? Like you mentioned the choice, but then there's also, is it the structure of traditional yoga? Yeah, and, and expectations maybe. So I think another thing with trauma-sensitive yoga, there is no, there's no expectation. There is, as you probably remember from the session you came to, it's very, very clear, it's reiterated, there's no right and wrong because often that self-talk for a survivor of trauma is very um, negative, negative self talk about failings and all of those sorts of things so there's a few reasons and it is true particularly through my work in the causes um, people often have had a bad experience of yoga sadly uh, but if they've gone into a class which isn't trauma sensitive and they are um, particularly if it's quite acute you know their symptoms of trauma are, are quite acute having said that many of the people I work with would never even have stepped near a yoga studio so mm. there's all you know all sorts of people but for for those who maybe have gone into a yoga studio as you say thinking oh you know even maybe my therapist or a friend or a family member said this would be great I'm, I've got to relax you know we know that yoga is good for stress reduction and then they go in and it's absolutely terrifying for them because they're being they've got someone number one maybe adjusting their body touching their body making them go into all sorts of shapes and poses and forms that might be really triggering for them and they've got no control and then they're told to lie down be still relax close your eyes all of these things which might be quite an awful experience they experience as an awful experience on top of having the awful experience they then walk out thinking I'm a failure everyone else looked so relaxed I'm you know I knew I couldn't do it and all and then in comes that negative self-talk so we can avoid that in a, by the practice being trauma-informed, by giving choice. By You might close your eyes, you might not, but also being, and you can move, you might not move, you might, you might lie down for, for your restoration, but you might not. You know, you, again, completely embedded with choice. But also explaining and being very transparent with people that coming to a trauma-sensitive yoga class or session isn't all about having this blissful, relaxing experience it's about practicing making choices and it's about meeting your body where it is so that's as simple as it is meeting your body where it is might be quite confronting it might you might notice that there's pain you might notice that you're feeling extremely anxious you might be noticing that you want to get the hell out of there but you're noticing and then you might notice that you don't even feel sensation you know I work with people that by looking at their arm, their leg, it's like they're, they're seeing their body in the third person and it's really hard to conceptualise for those of us that don't experience that. Like, mm. But 
to, I mean, imagine looking at your own body and not even feeling as though that is you. It's yeah. um, the, the impacts of trauma can be just so devastating and, uh, yeah. I've and you've mentioned that in the language of the trauma-sensitive yoga that it's very much like you know, a lot of people you, you have disassociation with particular body parts, mm. so it's really around reconnecting that. Mm. So even the language you use, instead of saying everyone move to the right, it's your right yes, arm. Yes, there's ownership, yeah. Yes, so that's the other bit of the intention. There's a few things that's right. The intentional language of it's not the, uh, which is, and definitely in the Iyengar methodology, and that look, that's what I was trained in, and I imagine it's in lots of others as well. I just don't know. But, yeah, lift your arm, straighten, your, uh, straighten the leg, straighten the leg, straighten the arms. And someone comes and pokes yeah. you from the back if you're <laughs> yeah, a little bit right. misshapen. Right. So even the use of the, we, don't, we wouldn't use that in, trauma, in a trauma-sensitive class because it's all about this is your arm, actually. So extend your arm if you'd like to. So maybe you could see how it feels to, to move your foot. And it's it, so it's, that is very intentional, as well. The um, yeah, the ownership of the body. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> what other um, what other things are, are this trauma sensitive yoga good for? So, what can other? I mean, if you've got people listening who think they've got some clients who might need mm. um, that kind of safety of that mm. kind of yoga. Yep. What other um, what other things should clinicians be looking out for that might be worth referring to these sorts of um, sessions? Oh, look, I think um, really the only the only reason you might not um, be referring someone to explore trauma sensitive yoga would be if they um, are actively suicidal, so or have been. Um, hospitalised in the last few, you know, in recent months. So quite acutely unwell. Quite acute, um, acutely unwell. Um, otherwise, I mean, the especially if you're looking carefully to see who the class that you're referring to, because to be honest, there's people, there's a lot of, you know, there's a bit of a buzz thing. There's trauma-sensitive yoga being offered. And like the rest of the yoga industry, it's not very well regulated. So anyone can go out and offer it. So I would always say to clients, to colleagues, Check out who it is, what their experience is, because it may be someone who's done a whole lot of yoga and all credit where credit's due, but if they are not um, well-versed and well-experienced in the trauma side of things, it can be, and particularly because we know it can be harmful. It's not just that, oh, they might not be that great. It can be harmful. So if, they, if they're going to someone who really knows how to hold that space, um, it, it's a, you know, any of your clients that are, are curious, that maybe feel particularly disconnected from their body, um, if they, I mean, it can help to regulate if there's disrupted sleep, etc. These are the sorts of things that people maybe notice by coming and experiencing yoga. It can, even though we don't necessarily say, it, you know, it's great for relaxation. It, it can if people do hold a lot of tension and a lot of stress in their body. Just by being connected to their body and noticing that, it can give an opportunity for, for, releasing, for releasing that. Um, so what should yeah. people look out for? To, so you've got, and we'll put in the show notes the link to the Trauma Sensitive Yoga website. Yep. And they've got a list of facilitators. Yep. So what sort of questions, so if someone's kind of advertised that they do trauma-informed mm. yoga, mm. Um, but perhaps they're not registered with one of these bigger organisations, mm. what are some of the questions that someone, whether it's a case manager or mm. counsellor or even a person listening themselves might want to ask about 
how that's going to be managed and kept safe. So yeah. they're not re-traumatised or triggered yeah. and then lose faith in the whole process. Yeah. Well, for a, for a case manager or a practitioner, a, a, a therapist who might be making that call on behalf of their client, which I guess would, would be a really great place to start rather than getting the, the client to call themselves, maybe to start off with until you maybe build a relationship with someone. I would say that asking them about how their how their class looks and what, what informs their class would be a really good place to start and then looking for words like just seeing if they I mean if you as a as a um, as a worker are familiar with trauma and some of the the things associated with trauma you kind of know the key words to be looking out for so if they're mentioning safety and if they're mentioning you know minimizing triggers and if they're mentioning um, uh, I don't know you know like any of those things that make you feel confident if they start to talk about the that there's no t- I mean there should definitely be no physical adjustments no touching in the, in the class um, or in the session um, yeah and to get just to kind of get a feel for that person I think I think one thing that one thing that I really loved actually because it fits so well with sort of my my approach generally in the yoga space and in the world um, that I loved with the trauma center training was um, this sort of mitigation of power so when I step into a space, when I'm working with clients, because like, I do work one-on-one, the programs that I run at Carter, it's one-on-one work and I do that privately as well, as well as the group sessions. Um, I don't posit myself as the expert, although I bring some knowledge about yoga, I bring some knowledge about trauma-sensitive yoga, which it really does away with that sort of um, power hierarchy, which can be extremely present in the yoga, in the general yoga world the guru you know that guru relationship so um there, there's you should be looking for a humility I guess that's that's what I'm saying in that is if, if which, someone which can be really hard because often hard. we come into it especially as um as clinicians I know for me there is always going to be an inherent power dynamic and yes, vulnerability so course. it's it's really it's a really hard one to negotiate yeah yeah, it really is. It really is. And that's part of the choice of the intentional language in the yoga space as well is um, we don't call it a class. We'll call it a session or a, you know, a practice. We don't call ourselves a teacher because there's, there's, there's all of these power dynamics. Right? Mm. Some of them are just inherent in who you step into the room. You're the clinician. You're with a, a, a patient or a client. It's already there, but there are things that we can do just in the way we relate to people. So if you, yeah, if you were referring to someone, just maybe sort of checking that out. If the person's on some mad power trip, you maybe don't want to be sending someone who's had a life full of, um, you know, dominating abusive relationships might not be the best, <laughs> best mm. space for them to walk into. So what have you found through doing the additional training, mm. has that changed any language? Like was there anything that once you did that you just didn't even realise was something you could rephrase and have a better impact? Yeah, well, look, I think that um, I, having done the Iyengar, you know, method of training, there was a bit of undoing yeah. when I did the... the That's very hierarchical. And very hierarchical. Levels and seniors. Et cetera, and, yeah, yeah. It, definitely. And a lot of corrections. I mean, it's all about very, very specific corrections and, a lot, and definitely the naming of the body is, as um, sort of objective rather than subjective is so I, I, I it's hard to think back now to before that um before doing that training how was I delivering it, it definitely over the the quite a few years that I've been um de- delivering trauma sensitive yoga through the casas and elsewhere in in community classes um it's changed a lot 
just by reflect by reflecting on each program, get, always getting feedback from the people who participate. So it changed and developed so much over the years before even doing that. I don't know um, how much more it changed, but definitely they're so fastidious in that course about language and the second part of the of that um, of that study of that course is making videos. It was horrendous. It's like my worst nightmare. But each, you know, it was making videos, having supervisor watch, feeding back to you. Hey, you said you know, it, it, not completely finicky, but okay. I've noticed the pattern that you do use the. Uh, you're using that, or you you're um, whatever it might be that they're picking up. So it's very and and it's only when you get your head around it that they'll actually pass you in the in the certification that's, that's really good to which know. is great it's very um it's very thorough and they want to know that it's going to be delivered in the way yeah. that, that that um that they have designed Research. this 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 um method of of, yeah. of teach of, of delivering and they also ha- have changed and tweaked things as they go along because you go into it. and this is this is part of breaking down that power structure as well is being responsive to each one-on-one session that I do looks completely different to the next mm. and each group, probably even those dynamics, like each week or maybe each different group of people that would come through in a group session, it's slightly different because people's needs differ. Yeah. That is definitely one thing about trauma. You know, there is no textbook. No, absolutely. It can be one person it, it manifests in this way, the next person it manifests almost seemingly the complete opposite. So how do you... you yeah, you can't be the the, the person themselves is the expert of that. I find the language thing really interesting, and it reminds me of a time I did um, a full day of it was like a mindfulness meditation mm. workshop, and one person was really triggered by the word surrender. Mm. Yeah, and just could not let that go at the yep. end of the session, and yeah. it was just so interesting because hearing more about her experience you can see why that was such a powerful yeah. word for her yeah. but it was something nobody else considered yeah and it was just it was just so interesting that what was really calming for pretty much everyone else in the cast yeah. was such a powerful thing yes um, yeah and how she had those conversations with the facilitator afterwards which is yeah and which is that this is the beauty there's definitely um pros and cons for the group sessions and the one-on-one sessions definitely the one-on-one is you can you can actually ascertain that so I've had a client as well who surrender was very really difficult like we just said it once and then it could not could not be used again Uh, but you know so you don't get those nuances in a in a Mm. group session unless someone emails I have had people email and say you know when you mentioned da 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 for for some people you mentioned breath it's just the biggest trigger for me and then it's trying to you know, it becomes difficult then trying to kind of base the class around maybe what some of those needs are. But, yeah, this is it. We don't know. We don't know what what it is for, for each individual that's going to be feel really, really unsafe for them. So what do you do in your private – so you have a private practice as well yeah. in the lovely Yarra Rangers? Yes. Um, and so there'll be details for – your website and how to get in touch in the show notes but what um what do you offer in your kind of one-on-one sessions yeah so i work with um i work with individuals who might and often that will be referred through through their clinician or through an uh, through a service that they might be linked in um and so i guess it's sort of a consultation to begin with meeting them talking to them some time spent explaining what trauma sensitive yoga is um, getting a little bit of a sense of what they might find useful, what they're looking for, how, how yoga, how they think yoga might be useful, what they think they might want to and need to avoid. 
Um, although that can change, and I guess it, with a longer-term relationship, you're hoping that maybe what it is is about building up some tolerance to, to some of those un, uncomfortable responses and reactions. And then we just practice. So it's, you know, my mat, your mat, we're sitting, standing, however it is, um, and practicing as you experienced in the group session, except of course with one on, in a one-on-one setting, there's a lot more potential for checking in, for that person being able to say, yeah, okay, mm, I think, no, I think it would be good if we could stand, do some standing forms now. Okay, yep, let's do some standing forms. How you, how's that going for you? Is there anything that you're noticing? It's definitely not, I mean, it's not, it's still trauma-sensitive yoga. It's not, um, it's not a therapy session. We're not doing a whole lot of unpacking, not a whole lot of processing. Not that as a facilitator I would ever shut anyone down if they are wanting to share something, but it's about containing that a little more than opening it up and coming back to the body yeah. when that's possible to do. So it's a, the talking can be a really great way for people to avoid being in and with their body. So mm-hmm. it's sort of you can see that as a real pattern with with some people it's a real challenge to go hey come on let's let's see how would that be to just maybe start noticing your feet again and Mm. and that's what I mean every single every single session looks really different and it depends what people can tolerate on any particular day for some people it might be five minutes of yoga actually and the rest just building relationship you know trauma healing from trauma and the and the trauma therapeutic trauma those relate it's all about relationship Mm. it's all about building that trust so if there needs to be a bit more talking initially there just needs to be a bit more talking so you've worked in casa and in that space for a number of years how do you balance and manage your own well-being so we know we're you know there's always this vicarious trauma Mm. and potential risk of burnout and compassion fatigue what do you, I mean, have you had any moments where you've just felt close to burnout that you'd like to share or any ways that you've kind of kept in check with how you're travelling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good question and a really important question, I think, for all of us working in this space. Um, I, I feel, especially having been in the space where I was counselling, um, I do feel... The, the trauma-sensitive yoga, using the body-based therapy, I'm still working this one out in my, in my head because I think we're lucky. I'm lucky in so far as I'm not sitting and hearing details. I'm not hearing the stories. I'm not even necessarily hearing a whole lot about what the, how, how, difficult, how difficult it is just to be. Some clients, will, like some, some people that I work with will email and they, they really share a lot about about how hard it is, but often not so much. So we're having a body experience, and so there's not so much. There's not there's so much cognitive processing necessarily. So the two things that I think that I noticed, well, and, and think about, is that just by being in the space, there's this. You know, we're even getting to the esoteric sort of the side of it, but there's that extra. I mean, you're sitting in some with someone else's energy, you're sitting with that person, yeah. and and so that and and so how do we work with this? I think that for me the point that I got to is well it needs to then be body work so I need to make sure I go to a kinesiologist or a massage therapist or a my ther- whoever whoever it might be and I need that to be worked on on my body I found the energy thing interesting being in the class mm. it was there was something quite deep like nobody spoke mm. nobody even really made eye contact mm. there was a security in being almost anonymous mm. but then mm-hmm. being part of a shared yeah, experience it's powerful and that, that what, 
that weighed quite heavily mm. on me. Like I remember thinking, yep. like looking around at all these um, women thinking, I don't know their stories but something's led them to mm. here yeah. and that's quite sad. Yes. But nobody had to talk about it yeah. so they could participate yeah. and connect. Yeah. But be anonymous in their own way. Yeah. Which is also, I think, makes that much safer for, for some women, like group work, sitting, talking about it, can be triggered. It, it's it's great, but it's for at some, some times and for some people, yeah, just being there. And people are aware, everyone's aware that there's a shared experience. And I agree with you. Like, I, I honestly do believe in that, you know, that the energy or whatever, however you want to phrase it, that we bring into the room. And, and so, yes, yeah, some days, and whether I've worked with a, a number of individual clients or then I'm with a group or whatever it might be, sometimes it's just so heavy. Like, sometimes I just feel so, so deeply sad. And, and it can be, like you say, that actually the group thing can be very overwhelming. I just find that sometimes just even walking into casa, like it just hits me. Very occasionally it'll just hit me. Oh, my God, every single person that's walking through this door, what is this world that we live in? And that's that, that's that burnout thing. You know, what, yeah. what is this world that we live in that we've got these many months of, wait, of a waiting list because there's just so many people needing to access this service. This is, this is insane. This is just so, so awful. So... So how have you dealt with it in those moments? Because um, I imagine going to get a massage and Reiki might be something you can do at the end yeah. of the day or the week. And I mean, are I there th- any tips? Look, I I think more, more often than that, I am so feel so privileged to do the work that I do and being able to see things shift for pe- for people. Um, I think. Um, being able to take a bit of a break from the work. I think that the process of um, checking in with yourself is really important and just checking in on that work-life, trauma, non-trauma balance. Um, I've got a great reference for a book sort of about self-care but about self-care in the in the face of trauma work, which yeah. I'll send you. Yeah, the, send the me that. I'll pop it in the, show, it in the notes. show notes. Yeah. But it's really, you know, it, it, I agree with you. The work that we do... All of us, you know, as clinicians working, it's not just like your everyday self-care. Oh, yeah, just you just go and get a massage. It's, you know, when you're doing this work, it's like, you know, that's absolutely, that's, it, it doesn't help us to process actually the, the, the depth of being affected by human suffering. You know, a nice little pedicure doesn't sort of that. It's nice. It's nice to do nice things for ourselves, but, but the self-care comes more from really deeply checking in with ourselves, whatever kind of physical practice, spiritual practice, whatever it is, really taking care of ourselves and, and checking in why we're doing the work. Is this work fulfilling? As I say, for me, majority of the time, overwhelmingly the majority of the time, it's so rewarding that if I check in and go, wow, those moments, I just I feel so lucky to be able to work, walk beside people um, in, in that journey that it's completely worthwhile, and I have, you know, this. I do like working as well as doing the work pri- privately, private practice, and even the classes that or sessions that I run in in different yoga studios. Working at a, you know, working in an organisation, so working within the structure of a place where there's other colleagues and where you can share share what what you're feeling, how you're feeling, what's going on. Maybe it's something that happened with that particular client and um, just get it off your chest is really helpful Helpful as well. It's not great to work in isolation. It's can, it, it sort of it, it mirrors the 
that <laughs> traumatic <laughs> sort of dynamic sometimes. Mm. So it's, I think, really important to, to be able to talk. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that would be, I mean, we talk a lot about in social work, like supervision and having yeah. peers. So even just, like you yeah. said, it needs to be that deeper stuff yeah. as well. To people sure. that understand, like people that get it. So my, my, you know, my area, I wouldn't even say expertise, but my area of experience, you know, for 20 years almost has been in sexual assault services. I also um, have done quite a lot of voluntary work in, in sort of the refugee asylum seeker space. And so connecting with other people in those specific spaces uh, is is really important. And whether that's, you know, the crazy black humour that comes from doing that work that only someone else in the field gets, yes. you know, <laughs> because otherwise it's like, oh, that's just awful. But if you're in, it, it, it's a way of coping, definitely a way of coping. For me, humour is, and not in a, no, I don't mean that in a, in a way that would ever be disrespectful, more just the absurdity of, life generally or myself or you know whatever it might be but just keeping that fun I've got kids so I think that balance of having family that really holds you to account like you know checking in whether you've got that balance right finding the joy in mm. in kids whether they're your own or other people you know just finding that light side which I imagine if you don't do well can mean you feel needed Everywhere you go. Totally. So you can feel needed and mm. dependent dependent mm. on at work. Yeah. And then you come home and you feel needed and dependent yeah. on. So if you're yeah. not balancing that, yeah. something's going to give yeah. over time. Totally. And you mentioned a few kind of uh, one book already and you've, uh, there's a few kind of articles on trauma-sensitive yoga which I can mm. put in the show notes. But are there any other tools or resources you can recommend to, um, I mean, a lot of our podcast listeners, early career social workers mm. or even students about the kind of work that they're embarking on, maybe referring or thinking about different ways of working with a client's mm. um, presenting issue or pain. Mm, mm. Well, um, I don't know if, if I don't know if I included it in the things that I sent you, but Bessel's book, so the body keeps the score, is a great. That is a great book. It's a great book. Um, and yeah, so any of the, you know, that that kind of. Um, the, the, the same ilk, there's a whole heap of, of practitioners from the States that have done a whole lot of really interesting um, study into and, and, and consideration of the body. What, what is the, the role of the body? What part does the body play in this work that we do? And, I mean, so, social work is broad. It's not like everyone who's, who is, um, you know, becoming a social worker or working as a social worker will be specifically work, focusing on a particular arena of trauma. But let's face it, like a lot of things that, are, that people are presenting with is sort of the surface with the underlying trauma. So I just think being really knowledgeable about, about how trauma presents and being pre prepared for it mm. just serves anyone who's working with in the face of people and, hum and humans and suffering and complications is just a very, is a good bedrock. Because we often there's a big misunderstanding about it. So sorry, I've diverted. No, that's from fine. So essentially, so to upskill yeah. in understanding trauma, perhaps yeah, yeah, uh, maybe even age appropriate. What that might look yeah. like in different totally. ages. So whether you need yeah. to work, whether you work therapeutically with your clients around trauma, yeah, just having an awareness of it. Because you're right, most of the people that we see, they'll either have had a traumatic experience or the system itself can be traumatising yep. or yep. sitting with that pain and discomfort while they're on a wait list. Like there are so many yeah. things. So we are seeing a population of people yes. who are highly yeah. traumatised. Yep, yep. And just holding space for, for 
for those people is just in itself so healing just to yeah it's it um you know, I'm working with someone at the moment and she just keeps saying, I'm so glad that I, I really feel like it, it took a, it's taken a very long time to build trust together, but she she really feels that I get it, you know? And, and it's so valuable for someone, especially if it's really complex, their trauma, and it doesn't make sense and they feel like they're mad half the time to get someone who just says, it's okay, I don't, I yeah. don't judge. I don't, even underst- I don't even necessarily have to understand it completely. But let's not even look for the answers. Let's just be with yep. what is. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. So I'll put in the show notes your website. So Great, for thanks. those listening, it's yarrarangersyoga.com.au. Um, and you've got some contact forms there that people can get yeah. in touch and see your Absolutely. timetable. So you work across Yarraville and, and the Dandenongs. And the Dandenongs. Yep. So over two sites. Yeah. Um, and can people contact you for if they're going on that? journey of maybe becoming a trauma-sensitive yoga practitioner? Do you do secondary yeah. consults? Yeah, or? I absolutely do and I really enjoy, enjoy, as you can tell, I love talking, so I love doing those secondary consults, sort of mentoring type type stuff. Yeah, so I'm really happy for people to, to contact about that as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Marie. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode's resources and don't forget to click subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.